I'd like for you to take your Bibles and go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 17. I've got a, just a, several thoughts here today that are on my heart. And uh, I've got some things that I'm very, very thankful for. And the older that I get, the more that I'm thankful for the things that when I was younger, I took for granted. And I'll tell you what that those things are. Uh, as soon as we read our text, it says in Proverbs 17 and verse number 17, a friend loveth at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Uh, let's pray. Father, bless our time together this morning. Thank you for these that have come. And Lord, as we take a look at this subject of friendship today, we pray, Father, that you would draw our hearts closer to you. We pray, Father, that something would be said that would help people's hearts today. And most importantly, if anyone is listening today, whether it be here in the drive-in service, whether it be in the live stream, Lord, if someone is listening that doesn't have you as their personal Savior, we pray that the Holy Spirit would touch their heart, show them their need, and above all, help them to recognize how much you love them and how that Calvary will solve their sin problem. Bless us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We just read a verse that has a, a contrast to it. It says a brother is born for adversity, but it says a friend loveth at all times. I thought about that verse, and you know, it, does, it doesn't necessarily mean that your brother or your family member can't be your friend. What I want to talk to you today is the subject of the value of family and friends. You know, as I get older, the more that I value family and friends. When I was younger, you ever notice that when you're younger, whether it be your siblings or your parents or your nieces, your nephews, your cousins, whatever the case may be, sometimes you end up squabbling over really petty things, things that seem like they were so important, maybe some little offense, somebody said something that rubbed you the wrong way, and you uh, reacted without thinking, and then they reacted to your reaction, and the whole thing just blows up into contention, and into strife, and into division, and sometimes those things will carry on for so many years that we forgot even what the source of it was. Sometimes we say, well, I don't like that person. And then you add to that the fact that in this day and age, we have telephones and we have social media. And so you've got people talking and people start talking about one another and saying, uh, saying critical or negative things about one another to the point where uh, if we're simple, if we're I guess uh, foolish, really, to be honest with you, we start believing all of these things that we're hearing, and that particular person who's a family or a friend, or for that matter, a, a brother or sister in Christ, all of a sudden, in our mind, we start building this image of that person, and they can't do anything right. And it's all based on perceptions and things that we've heard and the devil will just get in there and he'll he'll put some water on those seeds of contention and they'll begin to grow and the next thing you know we'll 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 see something we'll hear something and we'll go oh yeah that's exactly what i thought and as we get older we start realizing that those friendships 
and our family are very valuable. A brother is born for adversity, but a friend loveth at all times. You know, there's a difference between family and friends. The family that we have, we pretty much just got it and we're stuck with it. But when it comes to friends, friends are people that we choose to let into our life. We weren't just born into it. And I think that the most important concept for us to understand is that our family members can be our friends and our friends can also be our friends. That sounded kind of dumb. I didn't mean to try to make that profound. But the bottom line is whether, you, for instance, your spouse. I, I can say here publicly that my best friend is my wife. And, and I don't just say that as some worn out cliche, but I'm thankful that I've got a friend in my spouse because there are many people that are stuck with the person that they married, but they can't honestly say that they have a friendship. Friendship is something that we choose. And a friend, according to the Bible, is someone that loveth at all times. You know, I don't care who you are. If you get close enough to someone and you learn enough about them, you're going to find out that they have faults. They have problems. And the closer that you get, sometimes you find out, wow, that's not what I thought that they were. Or you get in a certain circumstance and that friend that you thought was so just patient and loving and kind and gentle, and some little old thing comes in that's their pet peeve and all of a sudden they act like a monster and you're like, whoa, I, I didn't expect that. I didn't see that coming. But if they're, that person is your friend, we have a tendency of saying, no, that's, that's just them being them. And we, we tend to kind of overlook it and dismiss it. Why? Because there is a value in our family and our friends. And you know, the, your family, you might have gotten you might have been born into your family, but I want to encourage you this morning to make the most of the family that God has given you. Sometimes we look at other people's families and we think, oh, I wish that I had a family like theirs. But we don't really know what goes on behind the scenes. And, and I'm here to tell you that every family, and I mean every family, is not perfect. I mean, imperfect on our best day. And everything sometimes looks wonderful from the outside and on the surface, but every family is going to have problems. Why is that? Because every family is made up of sinners, just like every church family is made up of sinners. And so I want to give you three quick things here this morning. And I know it's warm out today, and, and I promise you I will be brief here. But there are three things that I believe are values in family and friends. And the first thing, number one, I want to talk about is the faith of family and friends. It takes faith. You know, the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. A friend is someone who loves you enough to wound you. And I've had times when I've had someone that's my friend, and I've seen something that's in their life that I believe is going to be uh, hurtful or destructive to them. And I prayed about it, and the Lord said, hey, if they're your friend, then you need to talk to them about that. 
And while nobody likes the uncomfortable feeling of confronting someone, I've had times in my life where I had to exercise faith. Because when you confront someone over a fault or a problem in their life, you don't know how it's going to turn out. And it requires some faith. You've got to say, hey, God, I love that person so much that I'm willing to risk them being angry at me. I'm willing to risk the friendship because I don't want to see them go off a cliff or hurt themselves. And it requires faith sometimes to wound someone. Now that doesn't mean that to be a good friend that we have to just go around looking for somebody to wound. There are times, however, I know one thing, if somebody is my friend, they'll tell me the truth. And if we're going to be a good friend, then we need to be honest. And that requires some faith. I think about Abraham in the Old Testament. You know that God said in the book of James that Abraham was called the friend of God? Why was he called the friend of God? Because he was the father of faith. I mean, Abraham, we don't know that much about Abraham's personality. We can, we can learn a little bit about Daniel's personality in the Bible. We can certainly learn about David's personality. But Abraham, we know his character and we know some events that took place in his life. But Abraham's personality, to me personally, was kind of just, kind of blah. He was just, just there. And you don't have a whole lot to go on as far as what Abraham would be like to be around. But one thing I can tell you about Abraham is that he learned how to trust God. Now you remember when God, when, when God showed up and those angels, and they're getting ready to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for their uh, sexual perversion and their violence and their godless lives. And you remember what the Lord said? He said, should I hide from Abraham that which I'm about to do? And we know the answer as we read about it. God didn't hide it from Abraham. He was open and he was transparent. Why? Because a friend is willing to open up and tell their friend what's going on in their heart and in their mind. You can't just do that with anyone and everyone. But because of Abraham's faith, we were talking on the radio on Salt and Light just this past week. And we talked about how that there were seven, uh, there were seven distinct times in Abraham's life when it appeared that his faith was failing. And yet we read in Romans chapter number four that God says that he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. And I scratch my head and I go, wait a minute. It sure does look to me like Abraham staggered. But God didn't look at every detail. God wasn't trying to find fault in Abraham. God was willing to take Abraham's failures and turn them into, uh, instead of stumbling blocks, God turned them into building blocks. And by the time we get toward the end of Abraham's life, you know what he's doing. God is testing his faith. And he says, Abraham, I want you to go sacrifice your son Isaac. And you know what Abraham does? He didn't laugh like he did the first time that God told him he was going to do something crazy. He didn't, he didn't tell a white lie to try to protect himself and take care of his own. 
He didn't try to figure out a plan B to accomplish God's will his own way like he did with Hagar and Ishmael. What did he do? He loaded up the wood and loaded up his son and headed up to Mount Moriah and was willing to immediately obey God on, I don't know, I don't know if I would pass that test, do you? If God said, sacrifice your sons. I know what some of you dads are thinking, well, I've got days when I probably would be tempted. But seriously, I, I mean, I don't think I would pass that test, but Abraham did, and he didn't even flinch. You know what we find there? We find that Abraham, the friend of God, he figured out through time how to trust God. There is a value in our friendship. Brothers and sisters, we've got to learn how to trust people. That brings me to the second point. And the value of family and friends is not only found in faith, but it's also found in forgiveness. You know, we are commanded by the Word of God to forgive one another. Do you know we are not commanded to trust one another, but we are commanded to forgive and we are commanded to love one another? And if you're thinking about what I'm saying, you're probably going, wait a minute, love and trust, don't they have to both be there in order to truly have a friendship? And the answer to that is yes and no. You see, here's a friendship for it to be a two-way street and for it to be a strong friendship. You have to have trust. But you can be a friend to someone and you can love someone even if you don't trust them. You know, there are people who will take the trust in a relationship and they'll basically pull the pin on the grenade and just blow it up. And you think, wow, there's just, there's too many pieces in this relationship. And I don't think that I can ever trust that person again. And you know, there may never come a time in your life when you can, when you can reestablish trust from someone that used to be your friend that hurt you or betrayed you or destroyed that friendship. But God doesn't command us to trust them. He does, however, command us to forgive them. And let me say this to you, if you will forgive someone from your heart, you put yourself in a position where trust can potentially be restored. It may never be what it once was, but listen, I would rather take and put together pieces. I like reclaimed projects, don't you? There's something about it, maybe it's the pastor's heart in me. Uh, Even as a woodworker, I like to take a piece of wood that looks like a piece of junk and turn it into something that is beautiful or valuable or useful. There's something fulfilling about that. And I think that maybe it's kind of that, that pastor's heart that God gave me that's a little bit like God's heart because isn't that what God does with you and I? He will take someone like me that's a piece of junk and messed up and broken and decayed, and he'll figure out a way to make us all fresh and new. There may be some scars. There may be some indicators that, hey, we didn't just come off the factory assembly line. We've been through the weather. We've been through some problems. We've been beat up and dinged up. But praise the Lord, God can take us and make us useful. Don't you think that we can do the same thing 
when it comes to our family and our friends. One of the most heart-wrenching stories that I know involved my own mother. My mother in her old age, she had a friend that really just in a devastating way uh, turned on her and uh, caused her hurt. And she was she struggled with that for the last, it seemed like it was four or five years of her life. And she'd go to her friend and say, what did I do? What did I do? And she'd never get an answer. She'd get snubbed and rejected. And she carried that hurt in her heart. I can remember, I don't know how many times as we would be talking, especially in the last couple of years of her life, that she would bring that up. And I could tell that it was still a hurt that went very, very deep in her life. And you know, that person never ever let her know what she did. She never had anything that she could go on. She would have apologized if she would have known what to apologize for. And I think about it that she carried that grief into her deathbed, but the friend that wouldn't communicate, that wouldn't try to, to allow forgiveness or restoration is going to have to carry that for the rest of her life. And you know what? Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. Regret is a very powerful, lingering thing in life. It will taint. I mean, sometimes we can say, hey, I'm not bitter. I, I don't have animosity. But if we get too many of those regrets that build up in our life, we're not going to be as happy in our old age as God wants us to be. When you look at people that are just irritable and cranky and miserable people, I can tell you something about them. They didn't just get that way overnight. They got that way because they weren't willing to forgive or they weren't willing to allow someone else to forgive them. Hey, you don't have to go through life feeling like you're damaged goods. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ that... Uh, provides forgiveness so that we can love one another because there is a great value in having friends and having family. The last point, <clears throat> excuse me, the last point that I have for you this morning is the fulfillment of family and friends. I heard a preacher say this a long time ago, and um, I, this is not an exact quote, but I think I'm pretty close. He said, Brother Mitchell, he said, there are a lot of believers that they'll end up finishing their race, but they finish it alone. Now, what he meant is that there are some people that go through their life and they go to church and they go through religious motions, but really they don't have Christ in their life. And I think that's a heartbreaking thing, but it's not just Christ that will make us alone, sometimes we go through this life and we end up alienating ourselves from the people that God has put in our life to give us that fulfillment. Hey, family, you got the family. You didn't choose your family, but God did. And maybe we all need to figure out how to make the best in the relationship of the family that we have. Maybe we need to figure out how to quit being critical of all of the things that we could be critical of and figure out a way to focus on the things that are positive, the things that are good, 
and just be willing to let everything else be water on a duck's back and not let it get to us, not let it affect our spirit. I think that if we would all figure out, hey, what what do I have in my family and my friends? What are the problems? What are the contentions? Where is there distance that uh, I miss that friendship and I'm not finding that fulfillment? Is there something that I can do? Maybe swallow my pride. Maybe take the high road. Maybe do everything that I can possibly do to try to restore that friendship or restore that family relationship. I got news for you. The fulfillment that you will find in family and friends will be definitely worth it in the long run. And I've known people that have tried that and it didn't work out so good. But you know what? All we can do is try. We have no control over what everybody else does, what everybody else thinks, but we do have control over what we do. And I will say this, even if your family or friend don't respond to your attempt to make the relationship stronger or closer, it will be a great relief to your conscience knowing that, hey, I've done what I can to try to restore this friendship and this fellowship. There is a great value in family and friends. And as I close here this morning, uh, it would be remiss of me to not mention, to not talk about the best friend that any of us could ever have. I think you know who that friend is. We sing about it from time to time. We sing what a friend we have in Jesus. That's not a, a question. That's a declaration. He's a wonderful friend. I mean, we can trust Him. We can have faith in Him because He will never, ever, ever let us down. In Proverbs 18 and verse number 24, it says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I don't know exactly who Solomon was thinking about, but I believe as God gave His Word by inspiration, I think I know who the Holy Spirit was thinking about. He was thinking about our friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. If you're blessed to have a close best friend, if you will, if you're blessed to have some true friends, I was thinking as I was preparing this message, I was thinking about all the true friends that God has allowed in my life. And there's so many. I've got so much to be thankful for. People that I know that if I ever wanted to call them and talk to them and open up my heart, I know that they would, they would listen. And I know that they wouldn't reject me. And I know that they'd tell me the truth. People that I don't have to talk to, I don't have to call them every three days to maintain that friendship. But people that if I don't talk to them for a year, I can pick up the phone and talk to them and it's just like we talked yesterday. I'm telling you what folks, true friends are hard to find. Friends that will be your friend today and be your friend tomorrow and be your friend next year and be your friend in 20 years. True friends like that are very, very hard to find. If you have one, then value it and nurture it. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And if you're blessed to have as many friends as I am, make sure that you love and pray and forgive 
all of these people because, listen, we can go through this life and we can accumulate things and we can accomplish tasks, but the things that bring the most fulfillment are the relationships that we develop along the way. And the most important relationship that we need is a personal relationship with our friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And He's a friend that loveth at all times. The good news is is that He will never ever let you down. He will never ever disappoint you. Oh listen, I've disappointed Him and I've let Him down, but He has never ever disappointed me. He has been more than I could ever have imagined. When I bowed as a five-year-old boy and asked Jesus to be my Savior, oh listen, I can tell you now, He's more than I ever imagined that He would be. When I got right with the Lord some 34 years ago, and He took me back, and boy, I, I didn't think that He would. Or if He did forgive me, I thought that He'd forgive me, but just always keep me at distance. I, I really felt like that the rest of my life was going to be uh, just be sitting on a shelf or just really being rescued but not used. And Jesus has been such a forgiving and a faithful friend that not only did He forgive me, but He restored me into a personal relationship with me. I think about the Apostle Peter. You know, when Peter denied the Lord three times, we, we're, we're so used to saying that that we don't really think about the emotions behind that. That betrayal, how it hurt the Lord Jesus. Not only did it hurt the Lord Jesus, but it hurt the betrayer. I mean, Peter, after he heard that cock crow, he went out and he wept. This wasn't just a few tears rolling down his cheeks. The Bible says he wept bitterly. This was a major boo-hoo session. Peter was hurting inside because of his own pride, his own failure, and he knew that he had blew it big time. But if you'll recall, Jesus had already told his friend, he said, Peter, Satan's trying to get you. He's trying to sift you like wheat. But he said, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when? He didn't say if you're converted. He said when you're converted. He's showing Peter that he said, I believe in you. And I know that even though you're going to fail on a major level, you're going to get back up and you're going to be okay. And I'm going to use you. He said, when you're converted, I've got a very special job for you. I want you strengthening your brethren. God made Peter the main spokesman in the early church of Acts. This friendship was restored and I don't find any place where Peter came anywhere close to failing the Lord the way that he did there right before the crucifixion. Why? Because he had the friendship of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if we would be that kind of friend to others and put our faith and trust in people, even though they're sinners, even though they're going to fail, even though they're going to disappoint, maybe... They just need someone that they value that will say, hey, I believe in you and uh, I believe you're going to be okay. That's the value of family and friends, brothers and sisters. And may we never, ever take for granted the family and friends 
that the Lord has given us. And above all, if Jesus Christ is not your personal friend and Savior, oh, please, don't delay. Get saved and ask Him into your heart and into your life. Whatever's standing in the way, whatever's, whatever obstacle that it is, I would say to you, just chuck it because it's not going to bring you any fulfillment. Get rid of it. It may be some little old sin. It might be some other relationship. But I guarantee you, the relationship that you're choosing over Christ will never even come close to bringing you the fulfillment and the happiness as the relationship that Jesus is offering with Him. Get rid of everything else and focus on the friend that loveth at all times and the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Would you bow your heads with me? as we go to the Lord in prayer. And I'd like to ask you right where you're at, seated in your car, perhaps those of you that are listening on live stream, sitting in your living room, I'd like you to just, not just bow your head and close your eyes, but most importantly, may we all bow our heart. Perhaps maybe there's a family member or a friendship that's not what it ought to be. Would you ask God here this morning to help you, to lead you, to guide you, to make that family relationship, that friendship, what He would have it to be? Not not your expectations, not their expectations, but God's expectations. And ask the Lord to help you. Maybe you've got someone that's hurt you, betrayed you, I'd like to encourage you here this morning to bow your head and just forgive them. Say, Lord, I, I, I have a lot of hurt in my heart toward that person, but by your grace, I just want to forgive them. I, I want to look back at this drive-in service as the turning point when that relationship was restored. Pray for that person that's hurt you. And if you're not saved, oh, my best friend wants to be your best friend if you'll just let him. He died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and rose again the third day. And he did it because he loves you. And he wants to be your Savior. Would you let him into your heart and trust him? He'll never let you down. And he'll never disappoint you. Father, thank you, Lord, for your help your grace, your presence here today. Lord, we pray that something has been said today that's helped your people. We pray that something's been said today that would be used of you to draw someone to Jesus Christ. Have your will and way. Thank you, Lord, that we can gather here and have church. Lord, what a joy. What a precious memory. I know, Lord, that I'm looking forward to getting things somewhat back to normal, but Lord, this is going to be a time that we're all going to look back and uh, maybe have some sweet memories from it. Lord, a memory of you doing a work in our heart through one of these services, God, that would be a great, great thing. Have your will and way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.